welcome to the Eldritch Grimoire, a new channel on YouTube that I have put together in order to build a creative mythology for the 21st century. So before we get started, it'd probably be helpful to define the terms that are in uh, the name of the channel, the Eldritch Grimoire. So Eldritch is a word that's about 500 years old. It's believed to have come from Middle English and Old English terms. Essentially, it means land of fairy, fairyland. This is fairy in terms of elves, not Tinkerbell. But what that represents is a transcendental realm beyond our rational understanding. In other words, a mythogenetic zone. These are all terms that we're going to define as we move forward in this video. Now, the other term, grimoire, is also a 500-year-old word. And this term originates from the French word for manual or grammar, but it typically refers to a textbook of dark sorcery or magic. So this channel's name, the Eldritch Grimoire, refers to its pedagogical function, that is, to teach you how to become the best version of yourself by transcending yourself through mythology, by traversing dark pathways towards the absolute. So the purpose of this initial video, then, is to explore what all of this means by elaborating how Joseph Campbell defined myths and mythology. So if you're not familiar with Joseph Campbell, he was an American mythologist, writer, and lecturer who lived from 1904 to 1987, probably most famous for uh, the PBS documentary, The Power of Myth. But his magnum opus is really his four volume Masks of God, which was published between 1959 and 1968. So Campbell relied on Indian spirituality for his mythological framework, primarily due to its millennia-long psychological approach to myth, and that resulted from the existence of numerous um, similar but distinct traditions in India for thousands of years. So we'll explore what I mean by psychological as we move forward here. All world mythologies counterpose an absolute or universal consciousness against an individual consciousness, i.e. yours um, or your ego. So how we on this plane of existence interact with the absolute, which is beyond this plane of existence, defines all of mythology. So the way that Indian spirituality frames this Brahman or the absolute for reasons that are beyond this video, um, before time existed, decided to create all of reality um, and emanate it from itself. So our separation from the divine is part of material creation. So it, it actually happened before reality existed. So our separation from God isn't a cause that has any kind of material basis. It wasn't caused by any action of humans, unlike other mythologies that, that we're much more familiar with. So there's no fall of humanity and there's no reason, there's no covenant that's needed to redeem humanity, right? So all of the, all material creation functions in what Campbell calls the uh, eternal return. So here, the universe material reality goes through cycles, goes through creation, growth, decline, destruction, and this happens at every level. So from the level of, um, you know, our galaxy or beyond all the way down to ourselves. And what that means is that the cosmos is a mandala of small circles within increasingly large circles moving in cycles that repeat over and over again. So we see this um, patterns that repeat in mathematics, multiple levels, uh, kind of pervade all of reality from our DNA to the spirals and galaxies. So that is the mandala 
of reality. So from this cosmic perspective, identifying your Atman, your true self, only with your bodily consciousness or ego is delusion that causes suffering. So this attachment is driven by Maya. Maya is the illusion of duality, which causes every loss to be sorrowful and painful because everything, including your consciousness, ends when the body dies, according to this belief, right? So if you believe that when your brain stops operating, your consciousness ends, everything ends, that's going to lead to any loss that you experience being just brutal. So in order to move beyond that, our ultimate goal in life is simply to recognize and move beyond this illusion of duality, this maya, that separates your Atman from the Absolute. And you don't need any external authority or religion for this, simply a shift in your psychological orientation. Right, so this is a, it's a juxtaposition of the ego and the id. So if you're not familiar with, with the concept of the ego or the id or the superego, uh, the easiest way to conceive of it is that your ego is yourself, right, your conscious self. Your id would be your base desires, physical desires, um, the devil on your left shoulder. Whereas your superego are the um, ethics that drive you, um, these things you consider to be objective truths that define your reality and that you try to act in, in accordance with the morals that are, that are defined by those. So that's the angel on your shoulder. So there's you, there's the id, the devil on your left shoulder, superego, angel on your right shoulder. But from the uh, Indian perspective and from Campbell's overall perspective, your ego is your id, right? So part of this journey towards ultimate truth, towards the, the final and absolute self is the elimination of your ego in order to allow yourself to find its full fruition. So in India, this is, this is what the purpose of yoga is. Yoga is simply a spiritual practice linking yourself to itself with a big S. And even, you know, even in the New Testament, Christ says the kingdom of heaven is within you. So that's a perspective on Campbell's overarching framework and um, one of the main functions of myth, which we'll delve into a little deeper here. Uh, but first we have to define a myth, right? So what is a myth? In other words, what distinguishes a myth from other narratives? Uh, I believe that the way we encounter mythology growing up, at least in the West, is um, as a collection of stories that some uh, ancient peoples believed in or that in, in some way, shape or form, we consider less than organized religion or existing religions today. But that isn't actually what a myth is. Um, myth is essentially any narrative that serves both a mystical function and a pedagogical function. So what do we mean by that? Well, a mystical function of myth entails that every myth is the way, the path to the universal. So what myth is intended to do is awaken and maintain an experience of awe that transcends names and forms. So Campbell used a sociologist named Bastian from the late 19th, early 20th century, used his conception of elementary ideas versus ethnic ideas to analyze world mythologies. What are these? Elementary ideas are universal across all human cultures. So from a narrative perspective, they are the what, right? So this would be uh, the divine or God, the afterlife, marriage, heroes and villains. So the ethnic ideas are the manifestations of these elementary ideas in individual cultures. 
So we have the what, but when we define the what by means of who, when, or where, these are ethnic ideas. So who are the gods? When was the cosmos created? Where do we go when we die? So this means that mythology as the way or the path is the how, right? So think back to elementary school, when we break down any kind of stories in a book report, we've got to give the who, the what, when, where, why, and how, right? So we've defined the first four and now we have the how. So what this means is mythology is how we answer the questions that form our ethnic ideas and how we move beyond the answers to those questions to approach the elementary ideas. But because we are limited by time and space, elementary ideas can never be represented in a pure state outside of ethnic ideas. So even our language is built on these ethnic ideas. So it's impossible for us to move fully beyond them to conceive of um, what you might call platonic forms or the like ultimate truth, which is what these elementary ideas represent, right? So myth as the how paradoxically disengages you from historical time, leading you to transcendental elementary ideas while binding you to history to maintain your own society via its ethnic ideas. And those extend, all these ethnic ideas extend from our, our conceptions uh, from the cosmos all the way down to our base material, right? How we define things like our DNA, atoms, etc. So how does myth bind us to history? Well, the the second function of myth, right? So we've talked about the mystical function. The second function of myth is its pedagogical function. And what this means is that myth maintains dharma. So what is dharma? Dharma is the cosmic order. So this is central order that's emanated from the cosmos to society down to your individual moral virtues. So dharma structures the cosmic mandala and all of the circles and cycles it contains actually maintains dharma um, by means of three sub-functions of this pedagogical function. First, cosmological, right? Myth is world-building, right? So myth in myth, we find out how the world is made, how the world is maintained, um, how our lives should be lived, where we go when we die, all these things, cosmological function. The second is the sociological function. So this validates and maintains dharma at, this, at the societal level. So the established social order of the tribe, the nation, the civilization, myth maintains this sociological dharma. And last, the psychological function of myth. This is the, the main focus of Indian spirituality. So psychological function of myth allows myth to center and harmonize you as an individual through your faith in or sacrifice to the absolute. God, Zeus, whatever. So regarding the mystical how, how you interpret myths is up to you because mythology is fundamentally subjective. Myth is art, myth is poetry. Myth is not an empirical historical source. This is why mythology can be really frustrating when historians or other scholars try to mine it for specific empirical data or if you've ever tried to trace the origins of a single mythological figure, right? Define Medusa start to finish in a way that actually relies on the sources and you'll find multiple narratives across almost a thousand years of history. And that's just one mythological figure. So Campbell defines myth as 
a poetic, supernormal image, conceived, like all poetry, in depth, but susceptible to interpretation on various levels. The shallowest minds see in it the local scenery, the deepest, the foreground of the void, and between all are the stages of the way, from the ethnic to the elementary idea, the local to the universal being. For the human mind, in all its passages, is the creator and destroyer, the slave yet the master of all the gods. So what is the purpose of this channel? Why does it exist? Why, why am I creating this first video that will hopefully be lead to numerous others? Well, Joseph Campbell's main problem, which unfortunately remains more or less unresolved when he died in 1987, and really the source of our postmodern nihilism, angst, the source of there's so much division, so much hatred, all of these problems that continue to pervade society, continue to tear it apart, uh, are fundamentally based on, on a lack of mythology, or at least our perceived lack of mythology. And this is because unless they constantly evolve or transcend their context, ethnic ideas are not useful. Any religion that treats the ethical aspects of a myth as literal rather than figurative inevitably leads to conflict because these are not universal. Ethnic ideas cannot be essential. We've demonstrated that over the course of this video. So some examples of this would be things like the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments were created three or four thousand years ago in the desert in the Levant, right? Somewhere near Jerusalem. They're inapplicable to the 21st century when we have all of the information that humanity has ever created at our fingertips on our phones. These are fundamentally different contexts for fundamentally different ethnic ideas. So the way Joseph Campbell described this in 1968, which is completely apropos today uh, on October 6th, 2023, uh, Campbell said, he said, today, all norms are in flux. Individuals are thrown willy-nilly back upon themselves into the inward sphere of their own becoming without a way or path. As a result, our guiding myths can no longer have any ethnic ideas. No sooner are these learned than they become outdated, out of place, washed away. There are no horizons, no mythogenetic zones, or rather, the mythogenetic zone is now the individual heart. So the mythogenetic zone is the place the dreams emerge from. Right? This is the place we encounter when we dream. According to Campbell, there are multiple levels of reality that reflect Indian spirituality, and they're essentially part of the path that mythology leads you on in its mystical function. Right, So you move from your waking individual consciousness into the realm of dreams, the dreaming. This is a mythogenetic zone. This is where art emerges from. But beyond the dreaming, we encounter the dreamless deep. And the dreamless deep is where the essential ideas lie. This is the collective unconscious that we all share. These are the things that drive humans, all of our passions, uh, all of our wants, all of our needs, all of our goals. They emerge from here because on, they all ultimately derive from the absolute. And the absolute rests within this dreamless deep. So the goal of mythology is for us to encounter the divine, for us to experience awe by means of being awake, being conscious, and yet moving through these stages towards a recognition of the absolute. So how do we do that? 
How, and more importantly, how can we lead others to do that? So Campbell's solution uh, was provided in volume four of his Masks of God I mentioned at the beginning of this video, and that is to build a creative mythology. And this is our goal with the Eldritch Grimoire, is to, over time, as this challenge moves forward, build this creative mythology. So what, what does a creative mythology do? What separates it from other versions of mythology? Well, a creative mythology, according to Campbell, expresses the norms of myth, so the elementary ideas, or essential ideas, through an intelligent integration of all of the dead and set-fast dogmas, the ethnic ideas, of the past to help individuals anticipate and activate in, in themselves the centers of their own creative imagination from which their own myths and lives may unfold. So as in all human myths, the main goal of these narratives, these creative mythologies, is to build the courage to let go of the past and all of its truths, its goals, its dogmas of meaning, and its gifts, to die to the world and come to birth from within. If Joseph Campbell wrote this book, in 1968 called Creative Mythology, why are we revisiting it now, um, you know, almost 60 years later? Well, the problem is Joseph Campbell was born in 1904, so the cinema to him wasn't a viable mythogenetic zone, right? He didn't live to see what cinema has become uh, in the last 30 years or so. Now, he did live to, to see the entire Star Wars trilogy, which he celebrated as, as modern creative mythology. Because Star Wars, uh, much more obviously than some other franchises or genres, integrates, by means of George Lucas, all of these things that Campbell called dead set and set fast dogmas, these ethnic ideas of the past, right? Star Wars brings together a host of mythologies and builds a new one based on these essential, these elementary ideas that we've been discussing for the last 20 minutes or so. So the reason Star Wars can do this is because it's set a long time ago, far, far away, right? Back in the, in the fairyland described by the word Eldritch. So Star Wars exists outside of history, and that means it's a fundamentally mythogenetic zone. And Lucas, George Lucas, as he described it, he said it was designed, written, and shot to be understood without words, visual movements with music. So understanding the dialogue is only semi-important because the images are so fundamentally essential to the human condition. You don't need to speak English to watch any of the original trilogy or the prequels for that matter in order to grasp the mythological themes. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you can process the images, you, you are going to be walking the path that George and Joseph Campbell have laid out for you towards the absolute. So, to conclude this video, um, over time, as I've said, the goal of this channel Together, we're going to build our own creative mythology, the Eldritch Grimoire, by exploring the myths that are embedded all around us in almost every genre of media that we consume. Star Wars, as I've said, embodies a massive and now multi-generational mythogenetic zone, but there are many others in cinema that are equally mythological, but remain largely neglected. So, we still have a lot of work to do, as all we have done thus far is, is define or perhaps redefine myth in our first steps towards a creative mythology. In the next video, we will focus on the role of the individual. Before we can understand heroism, we have to understand the origins of good and evil, the nature of free will, the difference between destiny and fate, and what all of this has to do with individual valor 
and the path to the absolute. Until then, since we are all new here, welcome to the Elders Grimoire. Good journey, my friends. Thank you.